You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb, joined by the one and only Ryan Bernardoni. And Brian, you are a must for this edition of the Winning Plays Pod because we have the first ever in-season trade by Brad Stevens at the helm of president of basketball operations with the Boston Celtics. And boy, is it a big one. A three-team deal. The Spurs were involved, which never happens. They never make in-season trades. And what we have here is essentially a glorified salary dump. Is that is that the safe, uh, safe I don't I know, description here? That's a fair way to, to describe it. Yeah, it, so right, Brad's first in-season trade, as you said. The Spurs rarely make in-season trades. I believe somebody said it's the first ever trade between the Celtics and Spurs. Yeah, I think that's Chris Genham. Yeah, shout out to Chris Genham. Picking up that tidbit. Um, So Pop doing Ime a favor, taking, deciding, hey, we'll take Wancho, Hernan Gomez. I mean, they got a second round pick for Bryn Forbes, but I'm, I mean, as my biggest takeaway from the trade is I'm shocked that they got off of Wancho and got off of at least, you know, have his contract essentially without having to give up any pick capital. Yeah, I mean, the only question here is really like, should they have just taken Bryn Forbes? Um, right, the That's a, we'll save that for part two. And, <laughs> yeah, you you kick that second round pick instead of coming from uh, coming from Denver, and then do you do you want to take Bryn Forbes? But I used to joke that if I the, like I should I'm going to start a podcast called Audio Spreadsheets because at the time most of the stuff that I was doing online was just like financial spreadsheets, right? And this is very much an audio spreadsheets uh, trade. It's from a Celtics perspective anyway, it, yeah, it's like, hey, we got off of Wancho's money and we got like two smaller contracts. And if we can just give Oklahoma City cash to take one of them at the deadline, if nothing, you know, nothing else develops, then that'll likely get them under the tax unless Jalen makes a surprising uh, late run to the All-Star game. Uh, so that seems to be what this is about. It was just like Wancho had, was having a miserable season here, not worth the money, going to be released at the end of the season. Um, seems like he might be off to Europe next year. Even there's just no value there, and getting off of that without having to give up any draft assets um, is is good. It's good in the sense of like only money, though, right? There's right, no, no there's, there's no, no other talent upgrade. I mean, both players are are done. Uh, at least, I mean, Bulbul maybe could play by the end of the season, but he's not actually going to make any impact. He fixes the their no shooting talent. problem, Ryan. That's that's sure. your that's right. That's your stretch. Well, I'll 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 throw it to this. I mean, we don't. I mean, PJ. Do- Doze, like he goes here today. Uh, he has a torn ACL. He's out for the year. The Celtics do have his bird rights, which I mean, who knows? They could, I mean, I mean, 
he could easily be done. I mean, Woj is reporting that they're keeping both guys for now. That makes sense. And as you already described, like one of them could easily be salary dumped to get under the tax in a few weeks if nothing else materializes. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's probably going to be other things getting sh- shaken up here. But in theory, like that could be a useful, cheap bench signing for like minimum type money um, without using any exception money. Um you know, next year. Like that's, I guess that's the one stretch, like player upside here, potentially. I think it's a stretch. Uh, I've seen a lot of people <laughs> saying that I get it. Here's my, my counter argument to that. Uh, why do you need bird rights to sign a backup point guard coming off a torn ACL? That, that's a fair counterpoint. That's a very fair counterpoint. Minimum. Right. Like, like, yeah, he's not going to have a market. Next year. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a good point. So what difference does it really make now? Maybe having him here and in the program in some way and having him around the team makes it more likely that he would re-sign here than sign somewhere else for the minimum. Uh, but I, I mean, is he even going to be with the team under COVID protocols and things like that? If he has a long-term injury, like he's not like he's going to be working out in, you know, in, in the, whatever it's called practice center. Um, yeah, our, our back center. Yeah. Our back center. There we go. That, I should know that actually. I was trying to think of what the name of that whole little complex was with the Bruins and everything, but um yeah, so I, I don't really particularly buy that, but who knows? Maybe it ends up that he's coming back. But again, it's you're talking about a backup point guard coming off an ACL injury. Probably not even be ready for the beginning of next season. Or if he is, it'll be, you know, it'll be right at the beginning where maybe he's starting to, to practice and stuff like that. So Good point. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot there. I, I think that, you know, you said you doubt that they end up paying money to just get off these guys. Um, and I do agree that there's probably other moves coming, although it does also give you flexibility where you could make another move that adds $2 million and then you take $4 million in cash and send it to OKC for both players. And they just take both of them and wave them or, or, you know, uh, well, you know, I don't even know who else it would be at the end. Yeah. Of there's the a bunch of teams right? with like, trade exceptions and yeah, like that you could easily give the Move money and give them money to and give them extra cash. Here's the money to pay their salary. Yeah. Here's an extra 500 K for you guys for, to pay, you know, for bonuses for everyone um, in the front office this off season. And then you're, you're good. So yeah, like it, yeah. at pay least for it, my co- pay for my soda machine, pay for, right? the, like soda, pay for the coffee machine. It, whether, you know, the next deal and with two players, you one. can break that up in two places, right? You can send it to two right. teams with two small, it's easier to move the money and all that. But again, we are only talking about financial impact to ownership here. It's there's no like interesting thing about the team that's happening. It's, it's purely like, well, this makes it easier to manage so that five minutes before the deadline, we don't have to dump Daniel Tice <laughs> in a particularly like sort of weird way where we get and Javante Green like and <laughs> Javante Green right and, and like where player. you get nothing back you just sort of get you know totally you have something right. lined up where it's like well we can clear a couple million dollars here now you have to refill roster spots you have to have 14 guys on the roster so you can you know pay somebody to take them but then you have to refill with a minimum salary so like you know it, it's not really four million dollars necessarily it might be closer to three or something like that but you're talking about accounting here and it's again, all, right. very much audio spreadsheets here. This is, that's all. And, and so it's not, it's not particularly exciting. It's also a little bit concerning if you want to take a, take a look that way that they seem to be already making a move that's about avoiding the luxury tax. A, a point that I've made is like, there are some times where being, being willing to pay the tax gives you an advantage where you can, where you're, you're sort of presented with an opportunity here where it's like, you can either dump this player and then take the draft pick that you might get for them and go and use it in some other way that gets you an attack. Or you could just keep that draft pick and take back a salary with them. You know, so you move Dennis Schroeder and instead of then getting a second round pick, but having to use that second round pick in some way to dump other money, 
you just keep the pick, right? Because right. you're willing to be $2 million over the luxury tax because it's just money. Um, and so the fact that they seem to be already moving in the direction of getting under it yet again, and we've talked about this in, you know, ad nauseum in the last last two years, I feel like about like they can talk a big game about the tax, but there's no history of them ever really paying it. It seems like, again, that will be another goal this year is to get under the tax. So that's a little frustrating. Wancho has been a nothing on the team though. So you can't really complain about anything here. Do you know what he's, what he's shooting on the season? Uh, 18, 19%, something like It's under 20%, want, right? Yeah, it's he's under 20%. Like 10, 10, 60 shooting slash line instead of it, 50, 40, 90. It's awful. It was like, holy, holy crap. Um, it's only, it's like 150 minutes. I mean, it's not, he has yeah, it's a very little small little. sample size, but still, like, it's still, like, it wasn't like he played 10 minutes. It's like he's been on the court for, he's taken 20, 30 shots at least. Um, most of them have been garbage time. Not shy about getting those shots up, but no, they just, I mean, yeah, they've not gone in at all. And yet, I mean, they started him in a preseason game, so he's wow. come a long way. Um, they got when that they look. For him, when they traded for him, I said, like, it's not unreasonable that he'll be part of the rotation, that he would find sure. some way into it. He's had good seasons in the past. It's just, it, I don't whether he's, his just skill has completely left him or it was 100 minutes of really bad shooting and it'll he'll be totally fine playing for Real Madrid or something. I don't know, but, um, yeah, it was it just didn't work out. They never found a way to, to use him in any meaningful capacity. And to, I mean, and Grant Williams just flat out outplayed him out of the gate essentially and made the decision for the coaching staff. And, you know, in the two games where Wancho got an opportunity, he kind of fell on his face in game, you know, in, in, in meaningful situations. I think I want to say like out in, out in Portland or something like that. And that game, like he had some stints and they and eventually blew him out, but he just was a mess in that game. And then the same for a couple other ones. So it's, but let's go to, so yeah, I mean, that, that is what it is. He was probably the most likely guy to be dealt out of anyone at the trade deadline more for financial reasons, but obviously on for on court reasons too. And the Celtics, as you described, have, you know, just more ways to maneuver themselves financially by getting two smaller deals that will be easier to get off of rather than one bigger one worth $7 million. So we're going to hear from our sponsor bet online begin to get ready for the NFL playoffs and much more bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022 new year, new updated desktop and mobile website. So you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code CONS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right down your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022 Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Should the Celtics have traded a second round pick for Bryn Forbes with Wancho? Is that because that obviously they could have done that? That the the Nuggets gave up a 2028 second round pick, which is essentially as close to nothing as you're going to get in a trade outside of a, a top 55 protected pick. I mean, what's what's what do you what do you say to that? I mean, I think there's more of a case for that than what they did. Um, but again, you're talking about like, how much do you, what's your commitment to this team this year? How much of a necessity is it that they get under the luxury tax? Like if it's just that they've been told you have to get under the luxury tax, then, you know, you, you make the trade this way. Or if they're, if they're planning on tanking, surprisingly, you know, then, then you would make this trade. I have more, I have more belief in the fact that Bryn Forbes's future rights have some amount of worth than Bull Bulls or PJ Dozier's as well. Um, yes. So they don't get that, right? They they do get um, 
there's some trade exception stuff that's going on here as well that uh, works right. out they- well with the way. I, I don't know. I mean, it just I Forbes is obviously a better player right now because he can play. <laughs> he's not <laughs> doesn't have a torn ACL. He doesn't have a broken foot, and he's I don't know one of the five best shooters in the league. And now he's got a lot of other flaws in his game, but on a team that like desperately needs shooting, and that is pretty good in terms of a lot of lineups where you can have Marcus Martin, Jalen, or Jason, or, or both, and Grant and Rob. Like you can live with having one player who's not a great defender if they open up so much of your offense. Like it would be interesting just to see somebody like that, an Eddie House sort of player, in that role on this team. Uh, and it just seems like they went well. The financial flexibility or the financial savings are more important than being able to see that this year um which is a frustration Uh, i would like i had seen forbes as a possible trade target for the team because there are so many small guards that are or guards in general that are on san antonio and he seemed like he was he was excess um and so i thought either as a shooter trade which shooter which wouldn't make a ton of sense right you're trying to get rid of a guard or exactly this trade wancho in a second i thought that would be a a viable opportunity for them to add a little bit to this season and so to see that, like, yeah, you could have done that and you decided to go purely for tax savings, it seems like is, uh, you know, it's annoying. But, I mean, I guess you could get anyway, but, I mean, he's only making $4.5 million, So essentially, I mean, that would just cut off, obviously, you wouldn't be able to, you know, dump that salary again, or you wouldn't want to dump that salary yeah. again if you gave up something for him. Um, but you could have trimmed down the, the, the tax number at least a bit by doing this deal and he's having, I mean, he's shooting 41% from three this year. Uh, that's his career mark. Um, he obviously was a, a, a important factor in Milwaukee last year, at least during the regular season, he kind of faded out of the rotation in the playoffs with his flaws. But I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised to San Antonio. I mean, maybe San Antonio is just trying to do good by him right now and be like, Hey, we're going to send you to a team in Denver that could really use you and we'll get a second round pick. We maybe could have held out for something else in the next couple of weeks, but we'll take care of you and, and do the Celtics a favor as well by taking on Hernan Gomez's contract for some reason. Yeah. They took on quite a bit of money for a second round pick and giving up a player that was good. So you figure maybe there would have been something else where they would have right. got a second round pick and, but maybe had to take a little bit less money or something like that. But um, as has been stated, they rarely make any in-season trades and maybe they just figured let's just get this over with and not have to worry about any of this garbage anymore because they just don't like doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, Forbes is a, is a, a really elite shooter. Um, the team could use a really elite shooter. It, they also did obviously not have to give up a second round pick. And so you're sort of saying like, is it worth investing a second round pick when you're talking about these other moves? Like, Hey, let's get rid of Dennis Schroeder because maybe we get a second round pick for him. Does it make sense to then give up a second for another expiring contract, all that kind of stuff. But obviously it's a fit question. And like, they talk about how they don't have a budget um, and how they're, they're able to spend into the tax. And they talk about how they want to do these things to accentuate the positives of Jalen and Jason and make their lives easier. And then it seems like you have a trade here that's like, well, if you if you don't have to worry about the luxury tax and you're looking for players that would make their lives easier, like here's a situation where you could have proven both of those things uh, at the cost of only a far future second round pick, or or maybe they would have just given up one of their, you know, one of their more recent ones, felt like that was less, less risk involved. Um, and they just chose to go a different direction. Uh, and that's what I think is just sort of like, you don't love the signs of what that really means. Um, even though, you know, like these aren't big tea leaves, but I don't know, does the size of a tea leaf matter? I guess not when you're <laughs> reading them. Um, but you know what, you get what I'm saying. Like it, yeah. it just is one of those things that's like, oh, this again. Okay. Um, I don't love it. 
So, I mean, this is move one here. We're, we're about three weeks out from the trade deadline today. Is that correct? Yeah. So February 10th, so three weeks plus a day. Um, the rumors have been swirling in the last 48 hours. Um, you know, Woj put out there that the Celtics are pretty much discussing everyone um, outside of Jalen, Jason. And from what I'm hearing too, Rob Williams is very safe right now um, in terms of a, a guy that the, obviously the Celtics would move him in the right move, but they're certainly not looking to move. They want to, you know, they consider him as part of the core, but beyond that, like, it seems like anything and everything could be on the table, whether that means anything. We'll see. Like the, none of these guys are going to be moved unless um, particularly some of the high usage ones in terms of like smart Richardson and, you know, shooter to a far lesser degree, like, the Celtics are going to want value if they're going to move, want to move any of those guys, whether it's, you know, stuff for now or stuff for the future, that's, that's all going to have to be, you know, thrown in the mix with the luxury tax considerations as we go forward here. But this deal currently makes them have to think a little bit less about the money part of it and any deal they make moving forward. And I guess that's a good thing, but as this group has one seven out of 10 now, Ryan, does that change your thought in terms of what could happen here in the next three weeks is this or is that just you know them making starting to turn things around against an easy schedule and we still know what this team is to this point and like that involves potentially moving anything and anyone that's not part of the court i think we do know pretty much what this team is now and it's more of the latter like yeah they, they're seven and three against uh, an easier schedule and some of those games were uh, it was nice to see that they were able to win close games but uh, some of the games that they sort of lost against the more difficult schedule um, that felt like really bad losses. They had sort of similar wins here, and some of that stuff is maybe evening out. And to topics that we've talked about before, again, uh, you know, point differential and things like that kind of indicate that we know where they are. They're a high middle of the pack team in reality who's had some bad luck and, um, you know, difficulty with injuries and illness and bad luck in close games and bad luck with some players shooting. And like realistically, they're the 12th best team in the league or, or something like that. Um, and do you want to invest in that? That's a question for ownership and for the front office and how much you want to invest and how much you want to push on that because it's not like you're going to easily break all the way down to, to the studs from there and, and tank for a, you know, a top four lottery pick or something. But um, with the lottery odds like they are, missing the playoffs is not is also not the end of the world. So like there are a lot of decisions that are to be made there. Um, I mean, I think that it's the path sort of chooses it itself for me um, because I don't believe they're going to go full on sell everything in tank. Uh, I think that they, uh, you know, Jared Weiss put out a, a report where, he, you know, he's hearing that they're shopping Al Horford. That makes complete sense to me. Uh, maybe even more than Schroeder um, that they should absolutely. Yeah, I mean, with that. the money involved for Al, like that was always going to be, if you could find someone to take yeah. Al for something that makes sense, that was always going to be on the table this year. Even just expiring contracts. Like if you can literally just make a swap of, you know, primarily expiring contracts and then with an open roster spot, turn around and, and pick up another center from somewhere. Centers are always available, um, not just in the trade market, but you can even find centers coming up out of the G league and, and things like that. And there's certainly been a lot of guys who have had an opportunity to, to show a little bit of what they can do with the, the COVID absences. And like, that just makes too much sense to not try to do it. Now, do you give up a first round pick to get off Horford now after giving up a first <laughs> round pick to get off him? Like you shouldn't do that, but if no. you can find a trade, that's literally just like, you know, Toronto is in a position better than they thought and they're willing to give up, you know, you can trade Dragic for him because Dragic isn't going to, isn't playing there at all. Or, um, you know, I had said on, on our, on our friend Cam's uh, Celtics lab podcast, it's, 
Malik Beasley and Torian Prince for Al Horford and Dennis Schroeder is a trade that sort of makes some sense for, from both sides. But just generally the idea of like Horford should be getting shopped right now because what he is right now, because his shot has, has abandoned him as well as that seems to have a lot of other players, um, is looking like it might be a $14 million dead salary next year um, and or that you're carrying a $26.5 million player just for the hope that you somehow find a way to trade him as an expiring at the deadline in some bigger trade that likely never materializes. So um, I think there's a lot of stuff that a lot of moving parts that they have to consider here. Um, and like you said, outside of those first three, I don't, I, I don't think anybody is anywhere close to untouchable for by any means. Um, and for smart, it's sort of a, a meme at this point almost, right? Like smart is always being talked about, but never gets traded, but it is like, I mean, I, I will say like they did talk to, teams about trading him last year and came relatively close at the deadline. Obviously they didn't make the, didn't pull the trigger on that because he's a good and valuable player. Um, but there were other good and valuable players that other teams were willing to talk about as well in, in trades with them. So it's not impossible that that smart moves, but I like, got my focus on it at this point with a couple of weeks to work with would be like, can we find a way to, to move Al Horford and then set up our center position a little bit more reasonably in the future. Um, and also free up time to not start every game with double bigs uh, would be a nice, you know, added benefit to that, I think. So that's where my focus would be, um, which is not really a solution to the franchise's problems, but like they're not going to solve the franchise's problems at the trade deadline in the middle of the season. It's a bigger picture kind of issue than that. Yeah, I mean, to your point, given where the team is right now and, you know, building around the Jays for the future, like getting off that $14 million potential dead cap hit for next year in terms of what that limits you from adding to the roster um, that should probably be your, your top priority right now. And the question is now like who wants an Al Horford shooting 29% from three, who's also been surprisingly still very good defensively. Like it's, there are certainly teams that could use them, but the, the money involved there and what the Celtics are willing to, to take back and what other teams are willing to give, it's, it's going to be, you know, a tough, pretty tough to thread the needle, I think, and get something that, you know, helps the Celtics achieve all their goals. So it's, it's, how much are they willing to settle just to get off that money will be, will be really interesting to see. Yeah. There's also not a lot of expiring contracts across the league right now in, in that larger size. A lot of the stuff that's going on with like extensions in the last few years has uh, taken some of those off the table and just the timing of where we are compared to the cycle that happened when the cap spike happened, a lot of big contracts got signed and then teams got a little bit you know, more reasonable with not giving out that type of contract for a few years. Like there just aren't, we're just at a period where there's not a lot of matching salary that makes sense for him other than significantly better players who the Celtics can't get <laughs> or players who just have a lot of money for a couple, you know, they're not expiring. So right They're they're out there, bad players for more money and just exacerbate the problems. So um, it is difficult to find the, the reasonable trade there. Uh, it's not a necessity that they move him right now. There are, ways to kind of maneuver around that down the line. And maybe some of those ways would turn out much better, right? right. Like you, do you want Having to keep that out? salary means that you could trade him as an expiring in the off season in a much larger trade. Like that's, but how much should that factor in? Right now, great. Yeah. Like how much should that factor in into your consideration right now? Like tempers, like this, I know it's like an outside chance, but you know, if you do move Al for, you know, at least three, two or three smaller deals that kind of limits in terms of what you can put together there easily that, that has to be at least a somewhat of a consideration when you're, if, if you know, uh, a Bradley Beal offseason pursuit is still potentially in the cards. Yeah. I mean, I feel that that's 
uh, a little bit repeating the mistakes of not trading Gordon Hayward. Uh, so you have this big money veteran and you're like, well, this could get much better. Like we're, you know, we have this potential thing out there that could be much better. We could get him in movement, some sort of signing trade that, that nets us a lot more. We could, um, you know, he could resign here at some magical discount and like all these things. And it's like, well, but those things probably aren't going to happen. And I don't know if the upside of them is really all that great. Uh, the upside of trading Horford and all of your draft picks for a better player obviously is bigger than that. I think it, you know, if that could net you Beal and make Tatum happy and all the things that we know about in that world, even with Beal not playing well this year and by any stretch of the imagination, it's like, I just don't think that it's likely enough to work out well to be worth passing up on something that is marginally better now. Now, again, I'm not saying you dump him and pay a first round pick to get rid of him. Like you don't need to do that. But if you can cobble together any sort of trade, that's like, yeah, this has a little bit lower upside than that sort of future home run swing that we might get to take, but probably won't. Um, but it, you know, it's just in somewhat of everything. Like I think that they're, that they need to be doing that and have missed out on a lot of those opportunities in the last couple of years, which has led to them where they are now is like some of that kind of maneuvering has played out really poorly. So um I would take the trade now if I could get it. Um, but again, I'm not like desperate or willing to right. you know, There's... throw a lot of future assets into that, make it happen. How much do you have to give up with Al for Gordon Hayward? <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that one. Uh, they're pretty good. They need a center. They always need a center. Exactly. They I, like. I'm. I'm like. I'm joking, but I'm also so, like. I'm not joking, yeah. but I'm joking. Um, but if they want their Gordon makes twenty nine. Al makes twenty seven. So Gordon has two more years on his deal. Charlotte has to start paying some guys soon, so they might not be crazy. They might not hate getting out of that deal a year early, given where Hayward's age is at and just the emerging guys on the roster. I don't know. I, I'm I, the Southern. So obviously have to give up uh, a decent amount with Al to uh, even get any kind of consideration there, but that's, that's sort a of. fun. Maybe they would. I don't even know. Maybe, I have no or maybe not. I mean, his value is at this point. Uh, he's so up and down. It seems like in his game, I assume I it, I mean, some negative lines where it's like he had a terrible game or a great game. And I don't ever see what the middle is. I'm sure he has middle games, but I never see him. Um, he has to be like a slight negative contract, I'd say right now. Like, is that? Yeah. I mean, just just based on just how big it is, it's like, yeah, like no, that's you're. We're not giving, we're not taking it just to take it, even for an upgrade. Like, you need to give us something to sweeten the deal for us to take it. So, um, all right, let's wrap then. Like, so who? You know, we're three weeks out here. What's your what's your gut say right now in terms of who? Who do you think is going to get? Who's most likely to be dealt? After with Wancho already had on, like who who would you be most surprised to see on the roster after the trade deadline at this point? And do you have? And I asked Chris Forsberg this in our last podcast. Do you have like who's your like so who'd be your surprise or like sleeper guy that gets moved that people wouldn't aren't necessarily you know talking about right now? Like not none of the obvious choices, if you will. Yeah, Al would have been my surprise, except like I said, it seems to be now a topic of conversation because um, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about trading him. And for all that, I just said all that stuff like he in terms of like advanced analytical uh measures he actually has been having a decent season like he's not a bad player i'm not not saying that he's a bad player it's just a matter of sort of where you want your the direction your franchise to go I, but i think that most people would still see that as a surprise just because of name recognition and how big of a salary it is and how the move whatever trade they do would probably involve other sort of weird surprising players um 
So I'll, I'll still take that as, as my surprise move, even though I think it's uh, something that they should be putting a decent amount of effort into. Um, I, I mean, I guess Bruno would be the most surprising for, well, Bull Bull, would that be the most surprising? Yeah, right. To be on the team after the deadline. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of talk now that the Celtics quite like Schroeder and that the sort of Twitter sphere that I, that I live in um, is much more negative on him than the actual front office is and the coaching staff is. And I do think that these games without smart have shown what his value is to the team is that in a season where there's a lot of unknowns, like it is good to have maybe sort of a second player who can fill that starter role more than, than Pritchard can. But I still think that it would be weird for him to be on the team uh, beyond the deadline. Uh, so I guess I'll still go there, although it seems less certain that they'll trade him now than it did uh, even just yesterday when you would have said that may even just be the move that they do to get under the luxury tax. Now, obviously that won't be that. Um, so I don't know that, that I guess that's what I'll say. You have, you have a surprise that I'm not thinking of here. You're going to, you moving out smart out, out from under me. I never consider trading. Smart I know. I, I know. like him. So it's off the board. Yeah. Like I'll say this. I'll be surprised if smart Schroeder Richardson and Pritchard are all on the roster after the trade deadline. I think yeah. that like, obviously one of those guys is for most season Pritchard has been underutilized in that, on that front. Pritchard is playing better now. Um, I think Brad Stevens talked to Jay King about thing, you know, emphasizing that he's probably going to be playing more as the season goes forward here, uh, at which point someone's going to have to play less. And so then the question is, I honestly think it's going to come down to like who, what deal emerges for any of those guys that makes the most sense. Like that gives, that helps the Celtics, you know, whether it's financially or, or fit or just, or, building you know assets for to build for next season whatever it is whatever makes the most sense out of all those guys um i think is what direction they go in yeah right i mean if somebody surprisingly decides they want to offer a first round pick for pritchard then you probably just take it right yep. <laughs> um, right and you just ignore the sort of fit issues around the other around the other players and you live with that um and, and that's, I agree with all of that. It's just that because of Schroeder's contract situation, he's the easiest one to right. say, like, that's the one who they should move, right? It's not not particularly any more than, than that um, in, in my analysis of it. And I think you're probably the same place, right? It's like, yeah, he's the makes the most sense to move. But if somebody comes in and blows you away for Smart or Richardson, then um, moving one of them would also at least solve some of the immediate fit problems. It doesn't resolve necessarily some of the longer term problems then because you still can't really re-sign Schroeder easily. And so you'd still have a question at point guard at that point, but like, um, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked by, by anything other than the top three players moving. I think everybody else, like has been said is, you know, reasonably available. Well, I'll end on this and I'll have an article on mass live coming out on this, this week. I, after parsing through the market next year, Resigning Schroeder might be more realistic than everyone assumes. Yeah, no, I mean, I know he's played at like the exact level necessary for him to fit where he's not going to get $12 million next year and price his way out. And nope. he's also not a minimum contract player. Like he is actually right in that zone where it's like, ah, you can repay him more than the mini mid-level. Is there a team out there willing to give him the full mid-level uh, where the Celtics maybe wouldn't feel a need to, to go to that extent? I, I agree though that he has, like literally played to the exact level necessary for that to matter and be a, be a real consideration. Like this is what he's going to be making for his whole career now. Like this is what he is a mid-level player. And I don't think he's a full mid-level player given the depth of point guard around the league on a lot of rosters. 
they're just, I don't think any team is going to be like, you know what? Dennis Schroeder for the Fulman level, that's, that's going to solve our problems for next season. I, it's, we'll see. But um, ask Jeff Green. Ask Jeff Green how <laughs> yeah. hard it is to dig your way back up once you've fallen below yeah. a certain level. Like once you become a minimum player, it's hard to get back into being a mid level player. Once you become a mini mid level player, it's a little bit difficult to get back up to being a full mid level player. Once you've fallen below, like you sort of hit these thresholds where the league just says, like, ah, that's what you are once you're a veteran. If you're 23 years old coming off a second round pick or something, like, then there's different. But like once you're a veteran player who's a, an established name, you do sort of get like this is the tier of contract that you are now and unless you play like way better or any worse um you're not going to move out of that tier like it that is the real thing so that that's it and so we'll see we didn't even hit on jeff green rumors that's the one thing we forgot to do here ryan um i just did but that's it that's that's our that's your 10 seconds on it um all right fall ryan at danger card you you're i'm sure on twitter i'm sure you're doing it already but make sure you are, if not, um, you can follow us at Brian T. Rob at Winning Plays Pod is our is our Twitter handle. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll be having plenty of more episodes for you guys as trade season rolls on. Things starting to get interesting. Rumors picking up will be coming on at least once, maybe even twice a week here coming forward. So stay tuned here. Ryan, as always, thanks for hopping on, and we'll talk to you guys next week.